Welcome, friends, followers, and fellow book lovers. I'm excited to bring to you this new episode where I share with you another book that I've read. Some of the information in this episode is dated. For example, the old website is ironwheel.net, and the new website is turningleafs.com. Now on to the book review. The second part of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So uh, if you saw my I posted when I put it up on you this on YouTube, I, I posted, you know, jokes on me because I ended up speaking a whole lot longer than I had initially expected that I would. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a good laugh for me. So I'm going to jump right in here. If you see, haven't seen the first video, uh, you can scroll down through uh, my Facebook page or if you're on YouTube, you can go find that uh, right on the channel there. So. Habit fours think win win, and these are habits that are that he Stephen Covey calls um, public victories, and the win win habit is the win win habit is how do you get success out of this situation, and how does the other person like it's it's more powerful than a compromise. Because it both it delivers what both people want, um, and you can people can may argue or or just want to discuss the difference. What really is the case? So he says that there are six paradigms of of human interaction. There's win 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 lose lose win lose lose win 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 or no deal, and. The whole concept here is that two parties, okay, win-win, win-lose, one party wins, one party loses. Lose-win is you lose, the other party wins. Lose-lose is you both win. And just one thing I highlighted in there to that is that lose-lose is the philosophy of adversarial conflict, the philosophy of war. Um. The win side is that um, you win and you don't really think about the other person. So the the win-win or no deal is either you come up with something together or you walk away. You don't you don't push through to try and come up with something. Um, and he gives a story in here where. Uh, um, Hold on, let me find the. <clears throat> so the president of a small computer software company shared with Stephen an experience where uh, a a business had signed an eighty four thousand dollar contract. They weren't happy with the software, and so after sitting down with the owner and 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 kind of going through. Um, the situation, uh, the software company president said, you know what, that's fine. You know what, no deal. Um, and they took the $84,000, you know, they gave back $84,000. But the important thing here is that the, the president of the software company really felt that he had made the right decision. Well, three months later, the the this organization called back and he ended up signing a contract for uh, – Two hundred forty thousand dollars. 
So he gave back 84, negated the contract. But because of his um, approach, because of wanting to deliver what I would say in this case, the best customer service, he got a bigger contract out of it. Now, that's not always going to be the case. But this is the this is win win or no deal, okay? So, what what um, Doctor Heavy talks about here is that you go, uh, you you win in your character, you win in your relationships, and you win in your agreements. And, and this is that you have developed excellent character, you've developed excellent relationships, you've developed or you have agreements where you can, um, you have strong connections. And so that you, when you make agreements with people, you keep them, they keep their part. So it says character. We develop self-awareness and and independent will by making and keeping meaningful promises and commitments. If we can't make and keep commitments to ourselves as well as to others, our commitments become meaningless. Integrity is the cornerstone in the foundation. And really, integrity is a keystone characteristic. Uh, You can't have a good character without integrity. He goes on to talk about maturity. Uh, He he quotes a guy here, um, Haran Saxanian. I might be saying that wrong. The ability to express one's own feelings and convictions balanced with consideration for the thoughts and feelings of others. That is maturity. He also goes on to say that the quality sought for is the balance of what I call courage and consideration. To be mature, I would say that one has to know themselves well enough to know where they stand in life, uh, in their their, um, situations, in their experiences, and be willing to accept, hey, I messed up here, or I can do better here. So... Also, a character rich in integrity, maturity, and the abundance of mentality has a genuineness that goes far beyond technique or lack of it in human interaction. Abundance of mentality is the next part here. And it's basically that there's enough for everyone to go around. Um, that, that there's plenty out there, whether it's business, whether it's food, whether it's whatever, that there's an abundance. Next part, habit four, is relationships. Um, and what he talks about is this, going back to the circle of influence, um, that we make deposits into what he calls the emotional bank accounts of those around us, a courtesy, respect, appreciation for that person, um, and for their point of view. And you, you don't, um, you don't cheapen the relationship. You continue to honor and value it despite the challenges that you may come. And because win-win is the principle here, uh, people can can validate in their own lives, you will be able to bring most people to a realization that they will win more of what they want by going for what you want, you both want. So it's a, a relationship. It's you know two people together really winning together. And it's a process. You know, you you cannot go into this um, 
thinking just what's in it for me. Now, a lot of people do go into to new business ventures or new jobs with just that focus. Not always what they can bring to the situation. So an agreement means very little in letter without the character and relationship base to sustain it in spirit. So we need to approach win-win from a genuine desire to invest in the relationship that makes it po- relationships that make it possible. So, you know, let's let's look at marriage, for example. Uh, in a marriage, you've got two people, and if they're not both investing in the relationship, then things come apart, and it's it's win-win. But that's also a very complex relationship where sometimes one of the partners gets sick um, or one of them has a uh, midlife crisis, mental breakdown, different things like that. Um, Sometimes one's job becomes more demanding. um, And until they can balance things out, the other partner may have to take on more responsibilities. He says that in agreements, it is much more ennobling to the human spirit to let people judge themselves than to judge them. And in a high trust culture, it's much more accurate. Discernment is often far more is discernment is often far more accurate than either observation or measurement. And really what it is is that we can discern where another person's at. But by letting them make the judgments, letting them really um, own it, they're part of the relationship, it changes things, is what I'm going for, is what he's talking about. So, <clears throat> he goes on on page 262. Sorry, I missed the page numbers before. They still have four. Uh, page 262 of my book, cooperation in the workplace is an important is as important to free enterprise as competition in the marketplace. It's good to have some competition amongst your peers. Not cutthroat, go after each other, you know, sabotage sabotage each other kind of a thing. But, you know, helping each other out, working together. Um, but also, you know, working to build each other. To empower the other person, to help the other person out. Uh, that cooperation, that win-win attitude really helps to uh, not only foster the competition and the success of the different groups, but it also can bring people closer together when there's a little bit of competition there. Uh, when it's done in the right in the right attitude. So... He goes on to say on page 268, think win-win is an attitude toward life that says, I can win and so can you. It's not me or you, it's both of us. Think win-win is the foundation for getting along with other people. It begins with the belief that we are all equal, that no one is inferior or superior to anyone else, and no one needs to be. And really what what we gain through fostering and em- through fostering and empowering each other in relationships, in business, in competition, uh, amongst the, our coworkers, is we gain a lot more value. Uh, we level up as people. We become better. Excuse me here. Um, and we grow and we help other people to grow. All right. 
Habit number five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I, there, it's not told in this version, but I heard um, a story where uh, Dr. Covey was, was working with some scientists. Maybe it isn't here, and I just don't remember reading it, which is a good possibility. Anyway, so what happens is the scientists go in, they're trying to get some funding, and they're they're listening to they're they're in doing their presentation and they're addressing the the board that's gonna make the decision. And what ends up happening is they, they're asking questions so that they understand the position of the board and they get to a point where they've explained their stuff, but they've also then asked a bunch of questions to understand where the board's coming from. And the board members just kind of like look at each other and like you know what? Your funding's approved. And they're like, whoa, because they went in wanting to use Seek First to Understand um, to hopefully win the, the, the funding for their experiment, whatever it was, um, whatever you call it. I don't, I honestly don't remember what it was called. So one of the things that, that we have to do to be able to do this is we have to build the skills of empathic listening on a base of character that inspires openness and trust. So we have to have grown enough that we as an individual can can openly listen to another person, can take their words, not judge them, not criticize them, but listen and 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 listen to understand. It doesn't mean that we have to agree 100%. We just have to seek to understand their point of view, where they're coming from. Sorry, guys. So he goes on to say on page 280 that when it comes right down to other things being relatively equal, the human dynamic is more important than the technical dimensions of the deal. Um, it is said of Andrew Carnegie that he hired Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab to run his um his steel mill business because Charles knew people. He had the highest salary at the time, which was a million dollars a year. Which, when you have the the ability to communicate with people, to understand them, um, to discern, and the willingness to be open and talk to them and to work through um, a situation, it really changes the dynamic. Um, a story comes to mind from one of the guys that I follow uh, who um, who talks about, he worked in a uh, production plant and he was the supervisor. Here's this 20, 29, 26, I don't remember his age, kid basically walking around and he's the plant, he's the manager for all these guys that are twice his age. There's one guy that he really just didn't get off in the right foot with. And so as he was making his rounds one morning and checking on people, uh, this, this guy was setting up his stuff and getting things, you know, to get ready for the day. Hmm. And what ends up happening, he just has a conversation with him. He just listens. 
he wants to understand. He wants to, you know, uh, communicate. And what he learns, he learns that this guy was an amazing guy. And he had a hard, he had some hard challenges that he's faced. Um, but what happened is, is that relationship changed because this young plant manager really went no, no hard feelings, no bad attitude, just went to just talk to his, his employee. And bang, relationship changed. Things got better for him. So two eighty two, if you don't have confidence in the diagnosis, you won't have confidence in the prescription. An effective salesman first seeks to understand the needs, the concerns, the situation of the customer. The amateur sales salesman sells products, the professional sells solutions to needs and problems. And that is is something that in, in my own in my own world, I'm trying to get my head around completely and trying to make sure that I I understand. I gotta tell you, one of the hardest places to practice this is with my kids. I really can't even tell you. I mean, like, there are challenges there. And probably 75% of them are me. So going forward and seeking to then to seek to be understood, 293, notice the sequence, ethos, pathos, logos, your character and your relationships, and then the logic of your presentation. And really what that is is about you be you, authentically you, and you bring that wherever you go. And you own your best version of yourself. Then you, that, what that rolls into then is the relationships, the people that you meet, that you associate with. And we, we know to a certain extent, um, the kind of character that a person is and what they care about. And when we meet them or him or her for the first time, we can, we can get a good bead on things. It's not perfect. And we can't be deceived, but we can still bring our best self and look for the win-win opportunities in in communicating and working with others. Now, this is on page 295. And I got to tell you that this is something that's super powerful, powerful for me. And since I heard it for the very first time, I have really felt this way. And it is that to touch the soul of another human being is to walk on holy ground. And what that means to me is that to effectively communicate, to, to put trust in someone and to receive trust from someone that we deal with, you know, a very, should I say, tender part of the human heart and mind. And I can tell you that there are people that... Um, one situation in particular that stands out to me, uh, I was living in California at the time with my with my parents, and we'd made plans, me and some friends, to go to Disneyland. We had plans all day thing. Well, my friends, different things came up, but no one communicated, and I was ready to go. I had the money put aside. I had 
things in order. I was expecting to leave at like 5.30 in the morning because it was like a three-hour drive or like a two-hour drive or something. And it was going to be, you know, it's going to be a while. And we're going to be gone like the whole day. So that broken trust caused us to go our separate ways. And part of that was me. I didn't feel like I could invest in um, them anymore uh, the way that I I did initially. Um, and I really feel like I could continue to build a relationship. So, you know, maybe, maybe that was a failure on my part completely. Maybe I'm the one that failed there. So, all right. So his son, Sean, at, I don't know if I covered that before, but his son, Sean, uh, works for the company and is a trainer and, and has done a bunch of things with them. So he's added some insights into this version of the book I have. And he says on page 299, a good rule of thumb is to use empathy anytime emotions are high. Boy, that could be anytime. I mean, really. Um, and in case you're wondering, a good difference between empathy and sympathy is sympathy means that you go and like person's example that I've heard many, many times is this. Uh, somebody seasick, they're throwing up over the side of the boat. Sympathy is you go up and you start throwing up with them. An empathic person goes up, helps them, you know, uh, helps take care of them, helps them, you know, get back to the room, whatever the case may be, um, instead of just, you know, like going over there with them beside them and you know, throwing up with them over the boat. So that's habit five. So habit six is synergize. And this is this is something that really I don't really feel like, and maybe I I have a little bit different take on this. But I really feel like this only comes once the others are done. Now, there are cases where synergy may come quite before the relationships are settled. But here in page uh, 308, he says that when properly understood, synergy is the highest activity in all life. The true test and manifestation of all of the other habits put together. So kind of a culmination of the other five habits, being successful in the other five habits. Page 309, he says, the essence of synergy is to value differences, to respect them, to build on strength, to compensate for weaknesses. I know when one of the things that uh, my uh, my minister told me when I was getting married uh, in our church, he's a, he's a bishop, so some of you would be familiar with that term. Um, so anyways, uh, he sits me down and he says, you know, just some recommendations for you. And he he talked about a little bit about that, about, um, oh my goodness, I turned the page and then I have to go back to it, is that I need to compensate for my wife's weaknesses. And if I build and strengthen her, then she will then learn to compensate for mine and we will make a better, stronger marriage. Um, and... In a lot of ways, I feel that that's what my wife and I have done, that we've been able to build a better and stronger marriage because we are willing to accept that we're both flawed and we're willing to work together. Um, and sometimes, you know, the, the situation between us is it's a win-lose or a lose-win. Um, 
and then you know we we try to uh compensate for that make it up to the other person so to speak um all right on page uh, 321 says the heart of interpersonal synergy is embodied in the principles in the first three habits which give the internal security sufficient <clears throat> excuse me to, to handle the risks of being open and vulnerable this is something i learned along my journey i i i was trying to see if i can pinpoint a a place where that really changed, and I, I honestly, I'm come, I'm drawn up with a blank. So, but the point is this: the point, the point of this is that when we know who we are, it's really be easy to be open and honest, and to even be a little bit vulnerable with people, and that means putting yourself out there, and you know, rolling with the consequences. Uh, if it ends up being bad, then we have the courage and the strength to say, okay, well, you know, we trusted that didn't go so well. Um, yeah. All right. 323, valuing the differences. The key to valuing those differences to, is to realize that all people see the world not as it is, but as they are. And really, that's something that is so big um we see the world from our own perspective no matter who we are no matter what we what we love um it's always our very own um uh a very own perspective the the experiences that we've had the things that have framed our lives make the way we see the world literally that make up how we see the world and we we can change that view it takes time though and it takes effort to to really put in the time and the the personal growth so that way our lens the way we see the world becomes clearer and clearer not that i think that well i would know so here's what I was thinking. I was going to say, maybe no one will ever have a perfectly clear lens in this life. Uh, but I realized as I was getting ready to say that, that I don't know. My lens is still dirty enough that I, I've got to work on it all the time. And one of the places that I struggle with that is with one of my sons. He's a great young man. Yes, I am biased. I'll own that. But he and I tend to butt heads also. Um, He's brilliant, yet I struggle to see things from his perspective. And part of it's because we're alike and still very different. So on page 332, he go, Stephen Covey goes on to say that life is a team sport. And with the right attitude and skills, you can find synergistic answers to complex problems, not all of the time, but most of the time. And I really believe that if, if people are, are in open communication, if they're willing to, to talk and express and to share how they feel, what's going on, that they can really get to that point. Um, 
opening up and talking about things has been something that I have had to learn. Uh, beginning with getting married and just trying to go and just trying to communicate with my wife, I've had to learn to be more open and vulnerable than I would have want. Well, than when I sometimes wanted to. But what I've learned is that. In doing so, in being open, in being um, willing to be vulnerable, it's not only allowed me to share my feelings, but it's also empowered my wife and with my kids for them to share theirs, to really, to really open up and to um, to really open up and express themselves. Uh, being non-judgmental with uh, your kids, with other people, can be hard sometimes, um, and it can be very uncomfortable. So that's habit six. Habit seven starts in my book on uh, what page is that three forty, okay. And habit seven is sharpen the saw. And this is something that I have really had to work at. And it's because I've always, I, lo- I love working. I love putting effort into, into things and seeing results. But what I didn't understand is that there are times when I would wear myself out mentally, emotionally, spiritually, a lot of times physically. So... Stephen Covey opens this chapter with um, a story about a, uh, somebody who is cutting down trees. And he uh, he's talking about, you know, oh, I've been cutting down the tree for about five hours. It's hard work. And so why don't you take a break from it? He says, and sharpen the saw. And you inquire, and he says, it sure would, be, it sure would go a lot faster if you had a sharp saw. So, well, I don't have time. I'm too busy cutting. And sometimes in life, we get way too busy working. We get way too busy focused on the the job or the special project. And we forget to take the time. Or sometimes the special project no longer sharpens the saw and, and continues to work, work on it the other way and to dull it. So... He talks about four dimensions, physical, mental, spiritual, and social, emotional. And physical is exercise, nutrition, stress, management, taking care of those things for yourself. Mental, reading, visualize, planning, writing. Uh, One of the most powerful stories I heard about Colby Bryant after he passed away was that he would spend time at his office, like, not sure what time, but before everyone else got there by hours, and would visualize, would plan with his day and just like get ready for what was next. Spiritual, value for revelation and commit, value, clarification and commitment. Study and meditation. Whether you're a person of faith or not, this is something that has become extremely valuable to, to many people is to know where you are, where your values are, where your morality's at. Do you line up with the Judeo-Christian ethics? 
um, are you a little bit different because your culture is different? You know, um, you line up even though your culture is different because of the way you think about things and the way that you do things. Social, emotional, service, empathy, synergy, and intrinsic security. So that's about relationships. Boy, I'm, I'm yawning up a storm today. It's about building those relationships, about developing those relationships. It's about making time for the people in our life and valuing them. So he goes on to page 348. As long as you feel you are serving others, you do the job well. When you are concerned only with helping yourself, you do it less well. A law of inex as inex inexorable as gravity. And this is about serving other people, strengthening your spiritual self. Uh, he goes on to quote a guy named uh, David O. McKay. So the greatest battles of life are fought out daily in the silent chambers of the soul. And really, if we don't have peace in ourselves, we're going to fight some battles every day. It's kind of like um, on a more mundane topic. Uh, I do certain things every night to get ready for the next day. You know, I, I get my um, the pants I'm going to wear, and I, I put the things in my pockets. I hang the pants up by the belt loops where they go so that I can put them on the next morning. You know, I put my belt there that I'm going to wear that day. I put the shirt that I'm going to wear on the hook with it, too. So, like, I did that to save myself time. So in the morning when I'm getting ready, I'm like, oh, man, well, like, what shirt am I going to wear? Well, I, did I wear this one last time when I went to this to do this thing? It's like, oh, no, like, there's the next shirt in the line. Take it off, hang it up with the other stuff. Bang. You know, so that's that's kind of, you know, how we can we can apply that concept to moral questions. I'm going to leave those up for you to decide. So on the same page, 352, what does intrinsic security come from? It doesn't come from what other people think of us or how they treat us. It doesn't come from the scripts they've handed us. It doesn't come from our circumstances or our posture, position. It comes from within. It comes from a, acute paradigms, accurate paradigms, and correct principles deep in our own mind and heart. So what, what this is saying is that the time-honored principles that are prevalent in many societies, not just the Judeo-Christian society, um, creates a good character within us. And we have to seek after that. It's not something that just, you know, boop, one day you change. Um, you've got to put in the effort to develop it, you know, to be honest with yourself, to really be honest with yourself, be honest with other people. Good example of that in my own life is that if my wife says I told her something, then I said it. If I said, I, she says I told her I was going to do something, then that means I'm going to do it because I told her that I was going to do it. 
And it's not, it, it, it comes from the fact that I don't have to remember everything I say. You know, my wife knows me. We've been married 16 years. So we're, we're working on 17 right now. And she knows. She she knows. Um, and I know that if she says I said something, well, that must have come out of my mouth. And I made her a promise. I said that I would do whatever it was I was going to do. So he goes on to say on the next page on 353, security. There is security that comes when you authentically, creatively, and cooperatively interact with other people and really experience these interdependent habits. There's intrinsic security that comes from service, from helping other people in a meaningful way. He's, he also quotes a guy named here, uh, Dr. Hans Seelye, Seely, S-E-L-Y-E, Earn the Neighbor's Love. Uh, there is some place in the Bible where it basically says it's better to be trusted than to be loved. And I gotta be honest with you. Um, I love hearing when people tell me they feel they can trust me, um, because it's something I feel I've earned then. And then I try to honor that and to honor that relationship. I sometimes fail. All right. At the bottom of this page, he says, not a day goes by that we can't at least serve one other human uh, being by making deposits of unconditional love. You can go out and do good. As uh, as one of the, the, the guys I follow, he likes to say, go out and be a good person. Just go out and be a good person. So, all right, Goth taught that treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be and he will become as he can and should be. Uh, my wife and I early on in our marriage had a discussion like, why am I so hard on the boys? And I said, hon, we have to set standards for them to rise to. They're not bad kids, but they need standards, something that to rise to. And... um we're we're seeing my oldest son right now really blossom in, in some of that in some of that um maturity and some of that you know we don't have to go on about uh you know do this or do that. He sees a job and he takes care of it. So the last part of, of Sharpen the Saw um Actually, it's the next section. So anyways, jumping the saw is basically working on yourself, working on your physical health, taking time off from work, which is something I really had to learn and had to work at. And I can tell you now, um, because of the changing things in our lives, I haven't been able to take vacation time in like five years or so. And I took my first week of vacation, complete week, beginning of the year. So fantastic. I did I did three things. I fulfilled my responsibility at church. I worked on my business. And I spent time with my family. And I got to spend quite a bit of time with my family. And I really, really enjoyed it. So on page 
On page 357, he says that my contemplation of life and human nature in that secluded place had taught me that he who cannot change the very fabric of his thought will never be able to change reality and will therefore, excuse me, and will never therefore make any progress. And really what what he's talking about and what, what I'm going to cover here in the next, two, the next quote here says by Emerson that that which we persist in doing becomes easier. Not that the nature of the task has changed, but our ability to do it has increased. Uh, Telehard de Chardon says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And what I want to convey is that becoming a better person, which this book is all about, is just that. It's an inside-out job. We start working on ourselves, and we put in the effort. We we grow. And by mo- no means do I want you to think that this is an easy path or an easy journey. Personal development, personal growth, however you want to label it or frame it, is hard. Because you're holding yourself accountable. You're choosing to grow and to improve yourself. And that can be mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually exhausting because it does take work. Here's the point, though. I want to understand that it is worth the investment. The person that you will become along this journey will be phenomenal. You could end up as a pillar in your community. You could end up being the greatest dad to three little girls and showing them what kind of men, and in that process, showing them the kind of men that um, they're going to want to marry one day. Um, You know, my mother-in-law said, oh, this is a little self- Okay, I'm sharing this not to build myself up, but as another example of the importance of working on yourself. And uh, my mother-in-law said when we found out that we were having our third boy, that God must really trust me that I'll be able to help raise these boys into righteous, good and righteous men or something along those lines. And I, um, I was really moved that she feels that way about me. And it just made me want to be a better dad and a better husband all the more. Uh, I tell people all the time, I couldn't have picked a better in-law, mother-in-law if I tried to pick one for myself. Uh, she is a phenomenal lady, and I'm very grateful for her and the way that she raised my wife and um, the relationship that the two of them have. So, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People. Get yourself a copy. Read it. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can connect with me at turningleafs.com, L-E-A-F-S.com, where you'll find my social media links in the footer on the page. If you're looking for someone to help you level up your leadership and people skills, that's what I do at Turning Leaf Solutions. You can connect with me on the website and book a free consultation from there. My friends, I hope that you go out and make it a great day, and I hope you go out and make it a great month.